1: Hi, and welcome to the podcast. And today, I'm with a really good friend of mine, longtime friend, Norman Nakanishi. Norman pastors a very significant church in Hawaii, Honolulu to all of you, although that's not quite the name of the community that he's in, but uh, we've known each other since I first moved to Hawaii. He was really young. His hair is almost as gray as mine now, and uh, he's he's leading a movement. They're doing stuff that's that's shaking the world up, so why don't you just kind of uh, introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about the the church. Uh, go ahead and give us some numbers, because I want people to have a context here. And then you tell your story about how we got hooked up when when you were still a kid.
0: Well, um, yeah. Uh, I'm Norman Nakanishi. I pastor a church in Pearl City, Hawaii, on the rim of Pearl Harbor. I have in the virtual background here palm trees, because I I knew that Ralph Moore planted Hope Chapel on Oahu. His first service was actually with 72 people uh, around palm trees. And I began to read about Ralph and began to be really passionate about what, what, what is this thing called church planting? And that Because I see it in the book of Acts. And so our church started in a bank lobby with about four people, essentially. And I was part of a larger church serving a great man.
1: They wanted you to take over that church,
0: right? They sure did. It was an honor to be asked. Sam and Nancy Webb were the pastors of it. But something in me after 10 months didn't sit right, nor my wife. And along the way, uh, I met this guy named Ralph Moore. I met you, Ralph. And we were having just a casual conversation. You said, what do you think you're doing here? Why Why do you think you're still here? And the Lord used that to tell me, that's why you don't have, you're feeling the unrest. As much as it's an honor to take over this church, it was a church of about 800, you're supposed to plant a new church. And I didn't know of anyone else doing that except Ralph, you, honestly. And you had done it for years. And so I began to read everything you wrote. I don't know if I ever told you that. Listen to, remember cassette tapes?
1: Oh, yeah. Somebody sent (laughs) me two boxes. I got about 100 pounds of cassette tapes in my garage. And I don't know if there's anything I can even do with them. They may be all rotted for all I know. They just came in the mail.
0: I still have them right over here on my shelf. Wow. Do they that still be- play? Well, I don't have a cassette player, but I'll bet you. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> That's the problem. I have your stuff. It's right here. And I'm, I'm saying you need to get that converted because that stuff's as gold and as real and applicable today as it was back then. So your books are the primer for planting, training our plant, my planters, any with the guys that have come out of our church. And um, we're about, you know, we're in five locations now, uh, one church, five locations. And the numbers are... There's probably about 3,500 people that use that came weekly. We planted some churches, not a lot, but the goal is we start them as sites and then we turn them into campuses. Where it, essentially, as churches, the last thing is just a legal move and you move them from a campus into a church. That's our goal, and we want to keep doing that. So we go we go from site to campus to church, site to campus to church, and then we've started.
1: I want to interrupt with, you for a second. You know, yeah, exponential which I'm a part of, uses this five levels. And I see the multi-site thing as level three and a half because they're not really reproducing. But you right. are, you're discipling, and then you're sending them out as a site, and then they become a campus, campus. and then they become a church.
0: That's the goal, right?
1: So, so that's, a, that's the big church with all the power and all the people and all the money that go along with that, using right. it to really expand the kingdom of God and, and now we're looking at level four, level five, rather than a level three or, you know, camped out at level three and a half feeling really good about ourselves. Yeah. This is wonderful. This is really we, good.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, you know, Ralph, we've had this conversation. You, you I remember when you were pastoring, you said, on it. You know, we, we can't seem to stay above the 2000 level. And then you planted hundreds of churches. And I, I told you, Ralph, I said, Ralph, I trade places with you in a moment. I trade places to be a medium-sized church but having a legacy of multiplied churches and church leaders than to have a big church. So I want to, we want to plant as many churches as possible in this next season. And so just identifying leaders, discipling leaders and all of those things, because having a big church does not impress me. And I have, frankly, am not impressed with the mega church attractional movement, unless as we look at say, perhaps Ephesus in the book of Acts or the mega church plants churches. Yeah. Just think that's history. This is not a praise Ralph moment, but Ralph, without you in my life, in, a, in the life of the people that, that are in my leadership sphere, Pearlside would not exist. Pearlside Church of the Rim of Pearl Harbor would not exist. And so thank you. But your books and your cassette tapes right over here, cassette tapes, are more relevant today, especially coming out of COVID or being, you know, being still being in it. I mean, that becomes the script for moving forward. I think the new normal, that's an overused term, the next normal, the next level normal is supposed to be that, which is pretty much returning to the pattern of the book of Acts.
1: Yeah, we were talking earlier, you and I, about we couldn't have had Acts 1-8 ever really happen if there wasn't Acts 8-1, and we're kind of living through an Acts 8-1 moment.
0: That's so well put right there. I'm going to preach that. That's no, that's that's really good. So Ralph, the friendship that began, I, I began to hear Ralph Moore at a conference. Uh, I was invited as a guest. Brought some of our people. It was the year was 1989, and then 1990, and then of course we were being we were considering being part of Square back then. Uh, we didn't went a different direction, and then you told me no. I'm glad you did, because it was more about the kingdom of God than just a denomination, you know. So best thing that we ever did but from that we kept the relationship now that's gone she 1991 was when we first started kind of hanging out a little bit 92 so that would be almost 30 years
1: We're old guys
0: let me just get this off here some of these resources if you read them in order for me you do that you read that to get the backdrop you get this to get the methodology i think these three books are critical but uh let Go of the ring is the story that will inspire, and so uh, if I in church planners, potentially church planners, they have to read those books, okay. I encourage them, and then but they have to leave, let go of the ring because let go of the ring is the thing that gets into your spirit. Because I mean, you have to let go, right, Ralph? Why is it so hard for pastors to let go?
1: Uh, I don't know, it's uh, it, it, I think it sneaks up on you. you 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 start having mortgage debt and all kinds of things, and it becomes really hard to. And then sometimes there's just uh, a selfish motive. If, if there's enough people going to my church, the, the legacy publishers are going to want to publish my books. You know, I, I uh, I'm in the process just this week. I, I'm working with a big tech church in Texas that about 4,500 people, and they're pivoting toward church multiplication. And we're using Let Go of the Ring as the text. And we've been meeting together for a few months, and they've got six pointers on that. And we never did more than like about a church and a half a year was our, our rate of, of climb. So I turned Let Go of the Ring into, a, there's a student edition now that will be coming out. And it's, it's got helps for the, the leader to guide you through it. I, get, I took all the pictures out of it so it could sell a little cheaper on Amazon. I'm beginning in my old age to realize that I need to gather some of this stuff together and then um, maybe do some some video, some audio, put some, some of the stuff that you heard when you were young and put it out there again. You know, I don't know if I can rescue it off the cassette tapes. It'd be interesting to hear what, what that guy had, Ralph Moore had to say 30 years ago. That'd be a, kind of, a, it might be scary to listen to that. I don't know.
0: I don't know. I I, I kind of look at the exponential movement just as a validation to what you thought, it's kind of like uh, you were exponential before exponential. And so it's really good to see that partnership right now of you working together.
1: You know, Todd Wilson was a nuclear engineer building ships for the Navy, left a lot of money in, in that way. As soon as he left the Navy, he was, tried to, they tried to recruit him for the Army and the Air Force. And uh, <laughs> a civilian job, so it, it, it paid really well. And he worked in a church for a while, and, and then Exponential kind of pulled together with a couple hundred people. It was a, a near-defunct church planting organization that didn't plant churches, and, and Todd came along. And that's only been 10, 11 years ago. And at that time, 4% of churches in America had ever reproduced one time, including church splits. And a lot of them were church splits. And they've moved the needle now to 7%. And that's almost double. and and most of that's intentional planting and so to me it's such a privilege to be involved with exponential and you know at this time of my life i thought i was going to be sitting home watching tv and (laughs) and and probably still living in hawaii and i've already done everything there is to do four times in my life and i don't surf anymore so it was just such a blessing to be a part of exponential in a a validation because I was kind of the poster child for one denomination. I won't name them, but I'm doing a lot of stuff with that denomination today. They're all new leadership. Mm-hmm. And uh, I fit in really great with their top level leadership. This was 20 years ago. I was their poster child for church planting, and they were starting to plant churches. They'd get Robert Logan in. They'd have me in, but they'd have me in a lot. And I spoke at their full-on mm-hmm. conventions. And then I took a shot at seeker-driven church and where it was taking us in America. And this was in the mid-1990s. And that was the last that I was ever invited to anything those people did until they started coming to Exponential. And now I'm, we're doing stuff together all the time. It's just really great relationship and some really wonderful people. But, you know, we were so privileged coming to Hawaii. We were scared. You know, we thought we'd rented a place to meet and they pulled the rug out from under us while our goods were on the boat and we got there and had to start in the park and it was illegal and the cop was there and it was crazy. And but what happened somehow we got to be the match that touched off a lot of little fires. And it's not just for sure not us, New Hopes, the Calvary's a little bit, but there's so many small independent churches or little clusters, networks of churches in Hawaii. And I have just always felt that it's like, why me, Lord? How did I get in this? And It's just pretty fun ride. I was in a church the other night with some guys in Hawaii. Some of the guys that were with us from the very beginning, actually some of the people who moved from California to Hawaii. Aaron Suzuki was there. It was such a, just a, I mean, my wife was crying. It was really a touching thing. But, you know, just looking back on those days, when we first pinned the map of, of Oahu, well, actually the whole state, we put a yellow pin in a map wherever there was a golden arches. If there was a McDonald's, then the town needed a Hope Chapel. And when the Hope Chapel got planted, we would put a green pin in. And we actually pinned the map completely wherever there was a McDonald's, including Waikiki. We managed to get a Hope Chapel in there, and and then but then everybody else got in the act, and and whatever happened was at least ten times the size of whatever we were overall. So that's yeah, been a really good thing. Let's talk a little bit about your perspective on the church at large with COVID as a pivot point, not so much COVID itself, or even how we're reacting, you know, the the technology, all that stuff, everybody's pretty full of that. But just where you think the Lord is at work and and the Holy Spirit is, is driving us to do something we haven't done
0: well. I think the church gathered, especially in the West needs to turn into the church scattered. In other words, rather than trying to get into one big place, we need to be in many smaller places. And that means recruiting, finding new leaders, training new leaders, empowering new leaders, releasing new leaders, because you can only have churches if you have them. And so, but I think, you know, like what your books point out, there has to be an, an inherent philosophy, a deep value, uh, and a belief that this is who you are and what you need to do. And then when God gives the growth, I think he'll give the growth because of that. But the test is letting go of those leaders so we can grow in many places. So coming out of COVID, Ralph, coming out of this, I think the Lord's saying, this is your Acts chapter eight, verse one moment. It's time to scatter and be in many places. And I think you, if you study history, the awakenings Gosh, they made preachers and teachers out of everybody. Churches were everywhere, in the frontiers, in the cities and communities. Lay preachers were multiplied everywhere. It was equipping on the go. Uh, I think that's where the Lord's trying to take us post-COVID. And the question is, will we as American megachurch pastors or megachurch pastors, period, will we answer the call of faith to let go of the ring, to use that phrase, Because that's really what it is. That book, Ralph, marked my life. When I read that, I said, this has got to be the journey. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's uh, one interesting thing. And I kind of always tend to look at things from a little different angle than everybody else. But I've noticed a lot of churches are uh, showing growth. 49% of evangelical churches have shown growth in, in both numbers, attending online and in finance. So that's a good thing. But what I don't think they really realize is if, there, if there's any disciple making going on, then it's not just the Sunday morning show, it's the Zoom calls during the week. Yes. Are the, Are all those guys that are now leading those Zoom groups who weren't leading anything before going to want to go back to waving people into a parking space in the parking lot and calling that their ministry. I mean, somebody's got to still do that. But once you let a micro church during COVID, are you going to really want to go back and just be a spectator and throw money in the bucket? That's not going to happen.
0: No. You know, one of the things we did, you know, right now, anyway, we have five locations, but each location has its own online campus, so to speak. And what it's done it's galvanized the people rather than watching the central videocast, a central stream. We said, look, let's, let's put all of our different pastors and their teams from worship to speaking and everything else. And it's created an upswelling of identity. And I'm at the age, I'm nine years or 10 years younger than uh, Ralph, which I'm still old by, by today's standards. You're a kid. I am passionate about trying to find as many young leaders as we can and getting them on the field and letting them discover who God's called them to be, which means, you know, it's, it's going to be messy. But we, I think we have to let go of having to be excellent, perfect, wonderful, impressive. Let the messy, the beauty of organic, on the ground, relational discipleship and leadership happen. I'm committed to that. Yeah. I'm kind of done. I've been over doing the the mega thing. Like I get my greatest joy is going to some of our smaller locations and speaking there and connecting, finding boy these are potential new leaders and disciples. Doing the big thing. I find that I have I feel more like a CEO. Yeah. Doing the smaller thing, I feel like I'm doing the Jesus thing, the Paul thing. And maybe I don't know if it's because I'm older, but you know when I pass by McDonald's, I remember that Subway, all those studies that we used to talk about. And uh, when I pass McDonald's, I still think about the fact that's where you would meet with your church planters regularly yeah. to equip, yeah. to coach.
1: That's still what you do in fabric and in principle, right? I mean, yeah. I, th- yeah. can't, I can't go to McDonald's now or Starbucks, but or do it online. I'm doing more of it now than I ever was, and I'm doing it around the world. It's pretty exciting. I, I We were talking earlier. I I've, In the last month, I've done stuff in Finland, Bangladesh, New Zealand, and England. It's, it's just, um, and all over the U.S. It's crazy. I'm discipling. O- ongoing. I'm, I'm working with a guy in Omaha, another guy in North Carolina. These are, are both African-American pastors who are really having to struggle through the, you know, the, the evangelical backlash to the rioting that's gone on and People that they thought were their brothers are now, you know, distancing themselves. It's tough. But I, I'm, I'm working with a guy in Detroit, a couple different people in Texas, and I don't have to get on an airplane to do it. It's really nice. Yeah.
0: Is it, it might be an effort now to, get, to actually get on an airplane and go somewhere. Yeah. Think?
1: I, I mean, until there's vaccine in my body, I'm probably not going to get on anybody's airplane. Wow, so. wh-
0: what about Hawaii? That's a safe trip. You know, our- We're the healthiest
1: place on earth right now. Yeah, I know you are. And I was actually supposed to be there right now. We had a Mission Hope board meeting that we actually did last week on Zoom. But it was it was a trip to Japan and then to Hawaii. And so so I've canceled a couple trip to England and Ireland. Another one to Russia. I'm home and kind of liking it a little bit. (laughs) So Norman, as we're winding this thing down, any last words? Anything that you'd be saying to young guys that are out there that are struggling? trying to figure out what to do next
0: go back to the bible go back to scripture especially read through the gospels but then really absorb the book of acts because i think that gives us the pattern about what jesus calls us to do and that's simply make disciples he builds this church but the one thing that he's called us to do is to make disciples and i think you look at the example of jesus and paul they did it organically they did it relationally they used interpersonal relationships, small group communities, and it's supposed to be simple. I just want to say, keep it simple. Keep it simple. So much of social media is about the big, the crowd, the pizzazz, and I can't square that with the Bible story. I just really can't. I look at New Testament Christianity. It was messy. It was relational. It was organic. It was supernatural. We see the miraculous. Keep the believe for the miracles, Believe for the supernatural, but as an adjunct, to relational discipleship. Live a life that's steeped in prayer and the Word. Don't let those fundamentals ever escape the walk before the Lord. Also, constantly look for leaders in the generation below you and behind you and intentionally lean into them. Developing discipleship relationships earlier. Power them. Let them have their time of serving, of of discipling, of leading. Take chances. Take risks. Because when I look at, I mean, when I look at how Paul, what, what Jesus had with the 12, I mean, what was the plan B, man? And then what a motley crew of a mixture of people. And the same thing with Paul. Gosh, I, don't, I think that's it. Keep yeah. it simple. Keep it organic. Keep it relational. Take risks. Really value the small over the big. Really good.
1: Very good. Well, thank <laughs> you so much for taking time to do this. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at
0: RalphMore.net.